Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. I am your host, Kai McEwen, joined by the rest of the three-man weave crew, Jim Root and Matt Cox. Every Wednesday morning, we'll be dropping a new BBOC episode, talking all things betting in the world of college hoops. Today's episode, a standard format, folks, the live dog of the week, our favorite section, the power game of the week, the mid-major game of the week, the trash man pick of the week, and of course, a spotlight section, and guess what? The spotlight section today, interesting in my opinion. Conference ATS, the best and the worst teams in conference play. Who's turning it around? Who's dominating their leagues? Are there some surprises compared to non-con? We shall dive in. But first, as we like to do, we start with our favorite section, the live dog of the week. And last week, fellas, pretty darn good. If you listen to the show and you bet, you cashed. UTSA and Ryder. Both won outright as doggies. UTSA took down Tulane. Ryder took down St. Peter's. St. Peter's, I believe. That's right. Yes. And in fact, a couple other games that we recommended did pretty well as well. Uh, We did not take them officially on the show, so can't give us too much credit, but they were mentioned. Uh, Northern Colorado covered against Eastern Washington, did not win outright, but covered. And Portland State smacked Montana. Like smacked Montana at home. Uh, So overall, boys, a nice job. Uh, I have a little bit of a four pack to present to you today. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, there's my dog. I'm not totally on board with all these. I, I gotta admit it's it's a it's a weaker week in my opinion, but alas, we 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 trudge on. Wednesday, two power games we're gonna talk about first. Georgia is hosting Alabama. Georgia is plus seven at home. They nearly beat Tennessee at home. They nearly came back and beat Florida in overtime. They can get hot from three. They can maybe wreak some havoc on ball handlers, TBD. And then West Virginia is hosting Cincinnati. West Virginia plus seven at home. Per Ken Palm, of course, real spreads. They'll probably be a little lower than this. They beat Kansas and Texas here at home in Morgantown. They have to handle the ball. Kirk Krissa, if you didn't see on, on an Instagram comment, a guy said, Kirk, quit turning the ball over. Kerr said, I'm trying, bro. Chris is an, <laughs> a, an awesome, awesome uh, personality in college basketball. But, fellas, those are my two starts here. Uh, Jim, your thoughts on either one? Yeah, I like Georgia. I, I don't think Alabama's quite the same team on the road. They almost lost at Vanderbilt. Uh, and Bart Torvik lets you split up teams' performance by home and road. Alabama shooting 44% from three in Tuscaloosa on true road games or in true road games are 
sub 30%, 29.7%. It's just not the same kind of confidence and kind of attack. Uh, and they are so reliant on the three ball that you start missing from there and they become much more mortal. Georgia is right there in the NCAA tournament discussion. So it's not like they're rolling over and just trying to get to the finish line like they usually are in SEC play. I think this is a big win for them. They can they can win that one outright, Kai. It's one I'm taking. Uh, and Matthew, I'm also intrigued by West Virginia with, with Jesse Edwards back in there. Yeah, I'm also taking Georgia. Georgia. The whole day through. I mean, just look at their uh, their home performances so far this year. I mean, they probably should have beat Tennessee. I don't want to say should have beat Tennessee, but they were in front of Tennessee most of that game. Um, and you're going to basically get a pretty uh, a similar value money line wise that you would have gotten in that game. I think Georgia's only getting better as you're getting um, more used to their rotation. They had some guys in and out of the lineup early to start the year. RJ Melendez, who's been kind of a whack-a-mole player coming off his best game of the year, had 33, sorry, 35 in 33 minutes against Florida in OT. Um, I like Georgia. I'm with you. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm making it a threesome here, fellas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look at us go. I'm taking Georgia mm. in the menage a trois uh, to beat Alabama. Yeah, this team, Jim, you mentioned they're on the cusp of an NCAA tournament bid. Wild stuff. Uh, I, I will also take a swing on West Virginia. Uh, the home court is real. Cincinnati, a nice team, but I'm not totally convinced they're awesome or anything like that. And, and Victor Locken missed last game. I, I'm not sure what his deal is, but he was out of the lineup. That is important, especially if Jesse Edwards indeed does play for West Virginia. Yeah, this is like the first game that West Virginia will be true, full roster West Virginia. Edwards came off the bench for 16 minutes last game. I would imagine he's back in the starting lineup by the time this game is rolling around. And they actually have guards to play with him with Creesa, Farrakhan, and Battle all in there. They were not around mm. when Edwards was dominating the paint early in the year. Matt, you've always said this team's had like three seasons, three segments to the season. This is the basically the, the beginning of the third segment where they're fully healthy. And it could be a dangerous, uh, I'm saying this in air quotes, bad loss for Big 12 NCAA tournament teams because they've uh, been bad up to this point, but suddenly they're good enough to beat you. Yeah, I, I'm sort of worried that West Virginia might just be the prophecy that was never that never came to fruition. Like, I, I sort of don't love how they defend. Um, the shot selection and turnovers have been really, really shaky. So I disavow this one. You just, but at you home, just, Matt, they're very, they beat Kansas and Texas at home. I know. They're the different Kansas teams. one feels like a fluke, and I don't know. And Texas, I still don't trust, as, even though they look good. I uh, Just as in my loins, in my plumes, I just feel like West Virginia, it's like that. they're not what, the, what I want them to be. They won't become what I want them to be. Always listen to your plumes. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. On yes. Thursday, two more games here. Tulane at SMU. I'm not giving up my green wave. I'm a Tulane guy. I love this team. Uh, but they haven't been great uh, lately. They've been up and down for sure. SMU, maybe finally looking a little bit mortal. They lost to Wichita. They lost North Texas. They are a much better team at home. So that's the caveat. Both those games were on the road. Tulane can handle the ball. That's very key. And they can also throw teams off with their zones. The key is they have to box out. SMU is a good rebounding team. Tulane's been getting dominated on the glass out of their zone. And then another team that plays zone, Oregon State at UCLA. Oregon State plus seven per Ken Palm right now. The Beavers are hot, hot, hot. They just beat both Arizona schools. Now, UCLA did win in Corvallis in the first meeting, but Matt, these junk zones, they can be a, a, a kryptonite sort of thing for the Bruins' crappy offense. Oh, no question. I just think this price is going to be a little too 
too cheap. I'd like getting more value. It's still Oregon state and it's still Oregon state away from home. Um, even Tulane too, like, you know, this, I like them much better at home than I do on the road. Uh, SMU's actually been pretty good as a, as a large favorite. I know they've been losing a lot of close games on the ball. They've been really good now too. I can handle it, but um, I think that pressure for SMU is could be kind of an angry uh, force, especially coming off that tough loss to Wichita this weekend. I'll ride with Tulane, actually. Um, SMU's been awesome at the rim defending. They've got some mobile bigs that are down transfers from power conferences. Tyreek Smith from Oklahoma State. Ambrose Hilton was at uh, Alabama previously. Been tough to score at the rim, but you've got to be able to make shots. And Tulane has has shot makers on that roster. You watch some of their games that turned into shootouts, and you're like, oh, wow, they, they can score, but I'm not sure they can actually get stops. I'm not as afraid of SMU's offense. I think there's enough shot making on Tulane to hang around Kai at the odds that you know, Ken Palm's got at 11, I think that might be enough to to intrigue me and, and make it worth a, a swing. Love it. I'm, I'm going to stay away both those from both those games officially. Uh, guys, any others to add? I do see one mentioned here. Uh, Jim, is this yours? Yeah, this is the the big swing of the week. Matt had had one a couple weeks back. I, mean, I don't even remember what it was, but it was South I, I, Florida, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I cackled at him and he ended up correct on South Florida winning at Memphis. I'm going with Chicago State, Kai. The Cougars on, on the road at Duquesne. Chicago State is down to four D1, or excuse me, four total games left in their entire season. They've been playing a harrowing gauntlet of a schedule, traveling everywhere because they're not in a conference. But suddenly they have 10 days rest and are actually in a pretty decent schedule spot. Duquesne's been in the middle of an A10 kind of implosion, though they have won their last two. I wouldn't say they're playing great. They did get Day Grant last game, uh, back last game from injury, but he, he wasn't fully his full self. I just don't see why this game matters to Duquesne, and I know it matters to Chicago State. They're always well-motivated under Gillian. So 14 points on the road. I'll take the swing, Matthew. I think Chicago State's got a chance. I love it. They just beat Stetson, like, not too long ago. Stetson's like a good team on the road. Um, probably should have beat UTEP uh, in a pretty terrible spot. Like, Chicago State just does not die a quick death. Occasionally, they'll crack, and you kind of see – the old Chicago State rear its ugly head, but generally they're a cockroach in all these games. Um, and it feels like as tough as the spots are, their opponents just don't care as much. Like they use it as like a, a Petri dish type game, especially the mid to low major teams with really only conference that matters. My Hail Mary swing, Kai, is Rice. Ooh. I mean, it is a massive Hail Mary, no chance probably type of swing, but kind of following the same South Florida blueprint from, was that last week I took that? The Bulls against two, Memphis? Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Uh, same premise here, fading Memphis as large favorite, higher risk of Memphis circus continuing to implode at home. Rice is terrible, um, but they have some offensive firepower. They have some high variance potential that can potentially uh, prey on what seems to be a pretty dysfunctional Memphis team at this moment. So uh, I think the Owls might be hoot hooting in a FedEx forum. You're not going to like the blowout section, Matthew. We'll just we'll discuss this very mm. soon. But money line dogs versus blowouts of the week. Yeah, good luck to you. Because uh, Memphis can't beat anybody by more than ten. As a recap, I took Georgia and West Virginia. Matt's on Georgia and Rice and Jim. Georgia Tulane, Chicago State. Well, let's go to Blowout City. Fire in the hole. Next section here. Uh, last week, so Kim Palm. Of course, the spread was strange. So they did not cover against DePaul. DePaul was scrappy as as crap against uh, the uh, the 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 Golden Eagles. But St. Mary's did beat Pacific by forty eight points. They allowed <laughs> twenty eight points total, which is uh, just a crazy number. Uh, 
yeah, St. Mary just smashed them. That was a good call for us. So we'll take the split there. Man, I, I, St. Mary's, maybe we'll touch on them later at some point in the pod, but they're back, Matthew. I know you love your Gales. I'm still mad. They didn't cover for me against LMU. I was just, I, I, I didn't time the upswing right. So I, I laid a big number against the Lions and they did not cover. I still believe they are back, Jim, as they continue to rack up wins. So what do we got on tap this week? Honestly, I don't love it again. I, I really don't. Army is at Colgate. Normally, this would be a, a home run smash for me, but Colgate has just looked mortal this season. They're not the Colgate of old. They're they're laying 14 per Kim Pum here at home. Army's not good. Colgate is still 5-3 and three against the spread in conference play. They still generally do well in the Patriot, but this year, admittedly, has been a little more shaky. I'm not sure I totally buy this one. Uh, so TBD on that one. But the, the one we're going to discuss on Wednesday, the other one, and there's one on Thursday as well, is Memphis Rice. And Matt said he likes Rice in a in a, a live dog spot. Personally, this feels like a Memphis smash. Uh, this is angry Memphis, bounce back. It's going to be over 70 possessions. This version of Rice cannot handle athleticism. And that's what Memphis has in spades. Uh, Rice has not been shooting the ball very well this year. I personally think Memphis blows him out. I, I think in my gut, that was I, I, what, how I felt about it too, Kai. Just like, oh, I, I don't trust Rice at all. Memphis lost three in a row back home. They've got to completely overwhelm them. But the strange but true, Memphis has been a terrible big favorite recently under Penny Hardaway. Uh, I think I'm thinking all the way back to the James Wiseman team where they would smash a couple foes in the mm-hmm. non-con. But in their last 20 games, they're 20-0 straight up. as a uh, sorry, Last 20 as a 12-point favorite or more. Uh, so big favorite. They're 20-0 straight up, so maybe not great for Matt's outright dog, but they're 3-17 and 17 against the spread. Like nice. They just don't seem to cover these big numbers. I don't know if they lack focus or I guess they're you know not valuing possessions. They turn the ball over and take bad shots when they don't view the opponent as an equal. That makes me a little bit nervous. Uh, Matthew, has Kai swung you away from your outright dog pick? Or are you still riding the, the rice? Owl? It, it, it is rice. I've said I love the American Conference. Like all, all of these teams are kind of my babies for the exception of rice and temple. They're sort of the the, the bastard children I put to the side. But but you everyone like else. Owls. That's what you said. Yeah, That's what and, it sounds and owls. Like. They kind of freak me out as well. And rice away from home has been especially bad. So technically everything Kai says is correct. I just am isolating the what Jim talked about. Memphis as a large favorite with all of the dysfunction behind the scenes. Um, I saw they brought back Kendrick Davis to talk to the team as sort of like a, <laughs> a, a re a psychological motivator. Um, we love King Kendrick, Jim. So maybe that actually might be a good thing in the, uh, in my eyes. I have no idea. This is such a weird situation all year for Memphis. I just want to be on the right side of the fade volatility. I think I'm, I don't trust either of these teams in this scenario. I don't trust rice and all on the road. I don't trust Memphis as a big favorite. So I'm going to let you two lock them both. And, and go at it here. Yeah. <laughs> so I think one of those wins against the spread was Wichita State, which was like two weeks ago for Memphis. So they've shown they can do it this season um, if you want another feather in your cap. But Thursday, maybe, fellas, maybe you'll agree with this one. San Francisco is hosting San Diego. The Dons are 16-point favorites per Kim Pom. They won at the Slim Gym at San Diego by 20 earlier this season. They shot 67% from two. They forced 18 turnovers. It seemed like a total mismatch. Will it be once again, Jim? All aboard here, Kai. Let's let's ride the Dons. I think they win by 25, 30. Uh, Gonzaga won at San Diego by 42. Mm. Uh, they also won in Spokane by 27. Uh, I just don't think San Diego is good enough or mature enough to step up in class, especially on the road. 
they did sort of hang around St. Mary's at home. They kept it to an 11 point game. But again, this is going to War Memorial. I think San Francisco with their size, athleticism. You mentioned the two point percentage in the first game. I think that carries over into this. I think that's sustainable. Mogbo is just such a monster inside. Yeah, Matt, I, I really like this one. I think San Francisco uh, it continues to write itself after two tough L's to the top of the league. I agree. I will be on the Dons here, I think. However, USD, just to get back, uh, Deuce Turner and uh, Wayne McKinney. I guess he's been back for a few games now, but that was sort of a, a key reason why they stumbled a little bit to start WCC play. I still believe this Steve Lavin team was a little overhyped and non-con. I don't think they were ever as good as people thought they were. They getting a little bit of buzz. Got up to nine and four, beat a lot of bad teams in good spots. So, yeah, I think maybe you continue to fade the Trieros going down the stretch here in WCC play. Yep. All right. Dons it is. Dons, Dons, Dons. All right. Before we get to the power games of the week, a word from our sponsor. BBOC is proudly presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get $158 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, guys, power games of the week. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. The power games of the week are not that good <laughs> this week until you get to Saturday. We are not a Saturday show. We don't focus on Saturday. We will focus Wednesday, Thursday here. I picked out two. They're solid games. Again, though, not like top 10 matchups here, but on yeah, we Wednesday. Three of those Saturday. There's a Duke UNC. Mm -hmm. uh, I forget there's in the Purdue, Wisconsin Sunday. I'm jealous of the uh, Friday BBOC episode because they get to preview all those. A lot of good ball on Saturday. On Wednesday, though, we got Florida at Kentucky. Kentucky, a six-point favor per Ken Palm right now. The Gators, a big opportunity here for a win. Uh, definitely flirting with the bubble. This would go a long way for the resume. Can they handle Kentucky in transition? Will Rob Dillingham be available? Florida was up, Matt, late on Kentucky. They really competed with them the entire game uh, in, in, in Gainesville. Can they win at Rupp? It's a big question mark. Your thoughts? I think they can. Um, I kind of like this spot for Florida where it's more of a, you're on the road, you don't have, it's more of a, no one expects you to win. I think people think Kentucky are going to take care of business. I'm not sure. It just seems like that's the vibe I will get as the game approaches. But I think Florida, like this is their chance to really put themselves in the NCAA tournament picture, like more um, to, to solidify that where they stand now. And I just think they match up well with Kentucky. Um, I think they can, they have the perimeter firepower to run with. 
Kentucky not as much, but they can at least hang with, defend, and score with Kentucky. You can't get out, you know, classed in terms of firepower, offensive ammunition, and they have size up front. Golden's got to use it, got to weaponize it. Um, I know we talked about how much we like the burgeoning Kentucky bigs. I just think that Florida has more of a seasoned front line that they did use well in that first game. They just got to close this time. Yeah, Dillingham's status is huge for me here, just as part of the identity of what makes Kentucky, Kentucky, like getting out and going in transition, being able to hit threes from four positions on the floor, getting into gaps when the, the court is that spread. He, he just kind of embodies all of that. And according to our friends at CBB Analytics, Kai, he is their second best player in terms of net rating. It's mm. number one is far and away Reed Shepard. It's kind of ludicrous how, how much better they are when he's on the floor, considering he's not a starter. Uh, but Dillingham's the other incredible bench reinforcement that they bring out there. And he's plus nine per uh, 100 possessions that he's out there net rating wise. So I think if he's in there, I may be a little scared of, of back in Florida. But if he's not, Kentucky's vulnerable enough that, uh, especially at home, like they've lost to UNC Wilmington at home. They went to overtime with St. Sure. Joe's. They didn't really run away from Mizzou until the final four or five minutes. Um, they've been better against better competition. But I could see it being like, oh, we already beat this team. This yeah. isn't like our A plus effort time, uh, and they are coming off a, a road win. So, I, if Dillingham is out, I think I'm going to back Gators. Yeah, it's worth noting game one was really evenly matched you know, for every single aspect, and Florida shot 62 percent from the free throw line. They missed 11 free throws. They 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 really shot themselves in the foot. Probably should have won that game. So, there's there's some evidence that they can compete here uh, on Thursday. Wisconsin travels to Nebraska. Wisconsin minus three uh, per Ken Palm right now. Wisconsin, a win, puts them one game up, one full game up in the Big Ten standings. Wow, surprising, nine and one. Nebraska, though, is 4-0 at home this season, straight up and against the spread in Big Ten play. The Badgers dominated in game one. They uh, they won by 16, Jim, at the Kohl Center, put up 1.3 points per possession, Nebraska didn't even score that poorly. It was just Wisconsin could score every time down the floor. Do you think Nebraska can serve some revenge in this game? I do. I have a feeling this line is going to be like Wisconsin minus one and not yeah. minus three. I think this is they're tilting it towards the, the excellent Big Ten home teams. Nebraska ha in particular has been one of the best Big Ten home teams, as you mentioned. Pinnacle Bank is just a terrific environment when there's juice in the building. And there will be for this. Oh, we're hosting the team at the top of the Big Ten standings? Yeah, I, I think you get a monster effort from Nebraska here. I don't think Wisconsin's going to be in look-ahead mode, but they do host Purdue on Sunday if you're interested in that kind of a spot angle. Uh, yeah, Matt, I, I just, between the revenge, the home court, uh, the fact that they have been just scorching from beyond the three-point arc when they play at home, uh, I'm going to ride with Nebraska here uh, to win outright. I got, I got the stat on Nebraska's home three-point shooting. Uh, for, only 37%, but it has been even better in, in league play. Yeah, up to 41.5% I'm looking at here at league play for the Skurs overall. Um, they give up a ton of threes, too. It's one of those teams where very high variance outcome, no matter where they play. They lead the Big Ten three-point uh, shoot rate. They also give up the most. Wisconsin can shoot it. I mean, if A.J. Store stays as hot as he's been uh, with the range that he's shown this year, I mean, it's a pretty dynamic, um, you know. And Klesman. And Klesma, too, because I guess we basically put Connor Seaton to the back burner now. It, it, this is a one Big Ten team, Northwestern and Wisconsin, are the two Big Ten teams I'll say that I trust the most away from home, just of how they profile and how they play. But still, Nebraska 
at home the way they've been playing at home. And I'm not going to go against a trend that's as strong and as, you know, death taxes and big 10 home teams as this has been. So I'm not doing it. I'm going to take Nebraska play. Yeah. I think worth noting Wisconsin's played eh, four road games in the big 10. They're two and two against the spread. So yeah, a little more moral. All these teams are on the road in big 10. So Nebraska, good chance. Yeah. To your point, Jim, uh, books or early market have been shading uh, these home spots quite a bit. It's been, hey, the market's tough this year. It's sharp. Uh, if you want to bet these home spots, you're paying a premium, and, and that's that's been a fact this season. Yep, yeah, very, very different. I don't know if we said it outright, but 36 and 25 against the spread for Big Ten home teams so far, yeah. 59%. So, yeah, that's, that's where that's coming from. It's the second-best conference by percentage at home, and the CUSA only has, like, 20-game samples, mm-hmm. so it barely counts. All right, mid-major game of the week. Uh, two pretty good ones on Thursday. I, I chose out here for us, guys. Number one, UNC Wilmington at Charleston. Charleston minus three per Kempom. Of course, a major battle between two title contenders in the now named Coastal Athletic Association, still the CAA. Chuck looking for some revenge after losing at Trask. They were eight for 29 from three in that game, but they grabbed almost 40% of their offensive rebounds. Dominated the offensive glass. Can they actually hit shots this time? We'll see. Matthew, your thoughts. I think Charleston gets it done here. I know I gave the three-peat sweep to Wilmington last year. Wilmington got the revenge, as you mentioned earlier this year, at Trask. Now it's at Charleston. I just think they win. Um, better team. Matchup, not great. I think Wilmington actually has a good matchup for Charleston with some of their size. I guess not really size, but more of their versatility um, and switchability. It kind of helps to defend all of Charleston's actions. But Charleston's bigs have been really good, man. Brzovic um, up front. And then they're kind of burgeoning big guy in, um, in James Scott, too. Like, there's some real dudes that Charles can throw at you. It's a balanced team. I think Kelsey kind of has his whole collection of his rotation figured out, which he really didn't to start the year. So, yeah, I would be looking to fade Charles Santrone Peril going forward just as a macro take. Yeah, I'll be on Charleston as well. Uh, again, with the flipping of the venue, I think Trask is a terrific home environment, and that's where Wilmington got it done, but not quite the same team on the road. Charleston should dominate the boards on both ends here. I think they can continue to do that as they did in the first meeting, like Kai mentioned. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cougars. Two very good coaches. Uh, Just feels like a split kind of series considering how evenly matched they are. Yeah, Matt mentioned James Scott. Plays about 15 minutes off the bench. He's 41 for 50 this year from the floor, 82%. He's one of those big guys that just shoots around the rim. Uh, Then, of course, 35% from from the free throw line. That checks out. Yeah. in yeah. league play, he's missed one shot in eight games. He's only taken 11, but Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. he's there for D, baby. He's there for D. Uh, in the horizon, the other mid-major game of the week here, Youngstown State at Wright State. Wright State minus one per Ken Palm. Uh, Youngstown, they go into a tie for first if they win this game in, in, in the horizon. Uh, they won by 10 at home. Very good home court in Youngstown. Wright State, a win for them would move them to a game back of first place. So obviously some motivations on both sides. Teams obviously want to win every single game. This is also the number one offense in the horizon in Wright State versus the number one defense in the horizon in Youngstown, in Youngstown State. Jim, opinions on this game? I can't believe Youngstown's the best defense in the conference. That that did not match my yeah. perception, or I guess I just hadn't thought of like, oh yeah, the Penguins lock you down. But uh, I don't think it's smoke and mirrors either. The number one and two point percentage defense in league play that is the most sustainable kind of thing to me. And they have a little bit of size, a little bit of mobility that can uh, contest with you. They play two huge centers, including the NKU transfer Zorgval, 
Matthew. Uh, he's a monster inside. But I'm going with Wright State here. I just trust them a little bit more, uh, despite the fact that their defense is a sieve uh, on most occasions. They've got so many offensive weapons. I think they're a the kind of team that can give this number one defense problems. Uh, and I just, I love Scott Nagy, man. I think he's a terrific coach, despite, like I said, the defensive holes. Give me the uh, the Raiders at home in Dayton, Kai. I agree. I like the Raiders. And Gabe Dimes has actually been the, was the huge rim protector that was emerging for Youngstown. And now I got this other guy. You mentioned him, Jim Zorg, uh, Zoltan, Zorgfault, whatever his name is. It, crazy to think that they are the best team defensively because Calhoun's been like bemoaning his defensive his team's defense all year. Like it's just, it's a league that is built on offense. So it's, it's like the smartest kindergartner type situation with defense defense in this league and Wright state can outscore anybody. I think this turns into a shootout and Wright state just wins the battle of points pretty simply. Yeah. I, I expect Wright state to win the conference tournament. Frankly, they, they have arguably the two best guards in the league outside of Noah Reynolds on their team and, and Calvin and, and uh, Holden two high major talents. Uh, their, their offensive production this season, top 30 in the nation, Number one on the horizon, the same uh, gap between them and the number two offensive team, which is Youngstown State, is the same as number two and number four. So this they are dominating the league offensively. They just can't stop anybody. Um, but but I do think when you have two game-breaking guards like Wright State has, you're always and have a chance to win. You always have an advantage, especially at home. So I like Wright State too um, as well here. I don't think you're going to get minus one. You'll probably get minus two, even minus three in this one. All right, moving on. Next section, Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. I had a hard time choosing one, to be honest. Um, I, I chose a Big South game. Charleston Southern at Radford. Radford minus 12 for Ken Pum. Again, I, I don't think it'll be that big. Personally, if it is that big, I lean towards Chuck South. Radford among the slowest teams in the country. Charleston Southern, the second worst offense in the league, play very slow tempo. 45% from two in Big South play is awful. This game should play in the low 60s possession-wise. It's going to be a meth fest, Matt. Just a meth fest. A uh, quick tangent. Who was jockeying, according to rumors, for the Charleston Southern head coaching job? I don't That's know. A little, uh... Oh, Jared, I think Jared Grasso may be making a, a surprise hmm. appearance in a not-so-distant future on the sidelines there. I digress, Kai. I think Radford smashes Chuck South. Um, I know they've been, Uh-oh. I don't know, moderately more competitive, I guess, in conference under the new interim. Seems like a pretty recurring theme. Coastal Carolina, the same way, they've been a little more competitive under their interim coach there. Still, I like Radford. I believe they have underperformed and are overdue for a little bit of a surge with the talent that they have. Yeah, I'm surprised how bad Radford's defense is. Uh, I think they've been more of a stingy type of squad in the past couple of years. And I think you get a much better performance against, like Kai said, a, a team that cannot get easy baskets, despite maybe trying to play a little faster under the interim coach. They haven't been able to score in transition. Radford is a, a very stout kind of uh, trend or, or principled defense. Only concern here, Chandler Turner missed last game for Radford, mm-hmm. one of their key pieces. Don't know for sure if he'll be back or not. But, uh, yeah, I would side with the Highlanders at home and their giant, like, lumberjack guy that stands in the corner, inflatable guy. Uh, Jim added another game here. It's a, good, it's a good game to discuss because it's it's Notre Dame, Virginia. We won't go into details here, but the fact that Ken Palm projects this game to be 109 points total is baffling to me. Uh, gosh, you know, I'm not opposed to taking low totals, unders on low totals. I, I do it all the time, but 
if it'd be about 110, there's no chance. And in fact, game one had 130 points. I, I just think taking any under in this type of environment is tough. It's going to be a crawl, but no thanks. Notre Dame <laughs> actually I, I bet plays the... slower than Virginia this year, Jim. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that should be the case. Shrewsbury kind of did it at Penn yeah. State. Like, I'm going to play slow with a lack of talent, and he's doing it with a super young team. I actually bet the over in that first one, Kai. Uh, watched the first half. I think Notre Dame banked two different threes in the first half of that game and uh, were very hot from the outside for most of it. So I felt sort of fortunate. But, yeah, I'm not going to go back to the well. I, there's a chance this game is like 52 possessions. Like, they, yeah. they could really grind this down. I think Tony yeah. Bennett, I don't have the data in front of me. Sorry, Kai. Been awesome in like rematches in conference. Like one of the mm -hmm. best at making adjustments, responding to games that's a good that you lost to. Notre Dame um, won this first game by 22. Yeah. Crushed him. Yeah. And yeah. It also Shrewsbury has a former UVA assistant, and he talked about that being a huge edge into preparing for UVA and finding holes in the pack line offense. So I think you've got all of the edge on Notre Dame in the first one. The pendulum swings back to UVA, I think, in the rematch. Also, one last little factor. I know we said we wouldn't dive into the detail, but uh, – Bart Torvik's home road splits at home. Virginia is number 10 in the country anywhere else away or neutral. They're 161st. Like it's just a completely yeah, different team. I know they've started to play a little better on the road. They smacked Louisville, but it's still a, a much, much, much better team at home. And as Matt mentioned, the adjustments and revenge angle. Also one final point. <laughs> if you project this game, this game, we love this cap. Kim Pom this game, game as an 11 point spread. I mean, gosh, if the total is 109 and the spread is 11, it's really hard to cover that as a favorite and 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 stay under. Um, I'll just say that much. Yes, yes. Uh, okay. That correlated action. Yeah, there. correlated action. <laughs> Don't take the dog and the favorite, or excuse me, the under and the favorite in this game. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's talk about some spotlight. Yeah, where am I spotlighting? Where am I spotlighting? Where am I shining my spotlight on here? Well, today it's best and worst conference ATS teams. We're going to look at records and cover margin, starting with the best, ending with the worst because we're a pessimistic podcast. That's what we do. Uh, best records, Eastern Kentucky. They are the best uh, team against the spread in conference play. They're 7-0. They have almost a seven-point cover margin. I'm screaming. I love this team from the start. I talked to A.W. Hamilton in the offseason. I thought they could be top 100. And then in the non-con, they sucked. They sucked horribly. They were bad against the spread. They were getting blown out. And now they're dominating the conference, Jim. And it's really frustrating to me. But that's how it goes. Yeah, I, I backed him like the first three or four games of league play and won all of them, as you mentioned. And I was like, all right, uh, I think I've extracted the value. Uh, I'm done. And nope, they just kept on covering 
Uh, you mentioned their struggles in non-conference. They No one's making threes against them in A-Sun play. They're, they're like sub-33%. And they are still dead last in the country in opposing three-point percentage <laughs> for the year. Jeez. Because non-conference was just a complete cascade of made shot, made shot, made shot. Matt, the difference is they're the only team in the league that plays defense. Isaiah Cozart is a complete difference maker inside monster rim protector, uh, and nobody else really has that in the league, and it's it's separated them. Yeah, was, look at the splits. I mean, team shot 12% better from three against them in non-con, so I think like 43% or something, like just something crazy, and then now it's down to 32%. It's one of those things where I think we over-talk about three-point regression both ways, but when you get like a really extreme one that just lines up and then – it all comes rushing through at the the right time. Congrats to those of you out there who have been riding the EKU regression train. It's been very profitable, and I'm envious of you as, like Kai, I abandoned ship and bolted for the woods. Well, what makes it more amazing is the books adjusted for it. They they still had their spreads as if they didn't perform poorly in non-con, and it was correct to do, and they're still covering spreads. So it's it's been impressive by the colonels. Uh, Richmond, they're also 7-0 this season in conference play against the spread. They've been awesome. They're number one right now in the A-10. Very surprising. Just beat Dayton. Wow. Uh, hat tip to the Spiders. Yale, the Ivy season is early. Still, uh, there's just four games uh, in league play so far, but Yale is 4-0 against the number. Seven-point cover margin, doing Come very, on, James very well. Jones. Close. Yeah, some Ivy of us have futures. Yale futures <laughs> to win the Ivy, so go Yale. And now we get to two darling teams. Uh, South Florida, Matthew, your darling team. Now, they, they have two pushes, but they are 5-0 and with two pushes in the American against the spread. Four-point cover margin, a little less than the other juggernauts, but still, Kaysen Pryor has been incredible this season for South Florida. I think since we brought him up in the podcast, he went 29, 21, 25, 20 points um, with three double-doubles in that span. He only played 21 minutes in the last game because they were killing UTSA. Uh, but yeah, I, there's a lot of the same Kennesaw State mojo yep. with Amir Abdurrahim we saw last year with this squad. Just like a deep team, fearless shot makers. The key, Jim, you mentioned Jaden Reed, awesome. The freshman uh, quasi point guard. I mean, this is a good basketball team. And you forget that they still have two of those starters from Kennesaw's team last year on this year's team, Youngblood and Stroud. So yeah, it's a good makeup. I have nothing to add. Love that team. South Florida's great. great Abdurrahim has impressed me. Uh, Green Bay might be the most impressive team against the spread, actually, this, this season in conference play. They're 11 and 1 in conference play against the number eight point cover margin in, in, in the Horizon League. They're number one right now in the standings. They're 9 and 3 in the Horizon. Green Bay, they finished second to last last season, I believe. Sundance Wicks, Jim, Sonny is doing a fantastic job this season at the Phoenix Helm. Yeah, basically a full reset. Like, all right, we are starting the program over compared to the last couple of years when Will Ryan ran it into the ground. Uh, nepotism higher completely there. <laughs> uh, yeah, last two years, Green Bay was six and 34 in league play, and now they're nine and three. Like, that's just an unbelievable change. Um, bringing in Noah Reynolds from Wyoming, who had committed initially to Wisconsin. It's like, just not a fair Jeez. player in this league. Like, he, he's ridiculous. Uh, probably the player of the year although it's stiff competition there uh just mega impressed I, I think maybe it's not going to continue to be such a lovely cover train because of the shooting numbers that have been in their favor so far but uh just i have to tip my cap to an incredible incredible first year coaching job yeah to your point teams are shooting 28 percent from three against them that'll probably change uh, eventually here <laughs> for for green bay but yeah great job so far 
Uh, the best cover margins, real quick, if you're interested in that sort of thing. Cover margins usually a good indicator of a special dominance in, in, in uh, against the spread realm. Eastern Washington in the big sky, over a 10-point cover margin in conference play. They've been dominating. I know Matt and I have ridden some Eastern Washington this season, 6-1 and one against the spread in the league. Thank you so much for helping us cover games, uh, David Riley. David Riley. One team that's very surprising, LeMoyne. Quietly doing very, very well in the NEC. A nine-point cover margin, five and one against the spread in league play. This team is scrappy. There's something about these teams that transition up to D1 the first season. They're always better than expected, Jim, and I don't know why it is. Yeah, it's just a rather impressive squad. I I think I've missed on LeMoyne this year. I didn't think they'd be good because they were bringing in two major players from IUPUI past couple of years that were horrible, horrible teams, but their offense has been really solid. And look, Matt, let's face it. The NEC is not very good. So you just have to be yes. mildly competent <laughs> and you can cover games. And LeMoyne's been able to do that. Yeah. NEC is bad. It's a shame, but it's just a bad league now. It's, Le- um, it, it, it's almost too unpredictable. Like the Patriot in the same way, it's so unpredictable where it's annoying and it just turns you off from like following it in a way. Is that, is that, is that fair to say? I don't know. Oh, that's not nice. Yeah. Well, I'm just being honest here. Not here to be nice, here to be truthful. Yeah. Number one, three point percentage and free throw percentage in league plays. Lemoyne, number one offense. Uh, UC San Diego, nine point cover margin in Big West play. Yep. We all surrender. I think we've mentioned them on the podcast before. They've been great uh, this season. Central Michigan in the MAC is six and two against the spread with a nine point cover margin. And then North Florida in the A Sun, six and one against the spread, nine point cover margin. North Florida is a team that, Talent-wise, going into the season, roster turnover-wise, you expected to see them near the bottom of the league, and they're having one of their best years ever <laughs> to start the season. Go figure. College basketball can be crazy sometimes. I laid a two-and-a-half or three with North Florida at home against South Carolina State or something. Yeah. Like, in hindsight, just a really good price, but they sucked that night, and they've been really good since. I think they it's lost that game. Is that right? They did. They did, yeah. Yeah, Lose. pretty incredible. Lose. All right, worst records and cover margins, then we'll sign off. The worst ATS teams in the country are, excuse me, in conference play. Stonehill in the NEC, 0-7, minus 5 cover margin. Hey, speaking of teams that just transitioned up, Stonehill last year, not bad. This year, Jim, it's all come crashing down. The beginner's luck is gone for Stonehill. (laughs) Uh, Last year, they played a bunch of zone in league play and kind of messed with teams' vibes and haven't really been able to do it. They've definitely been injured, but they've been healthier of late and it yeah. has not improved their play at all. So yeah, it just seems like a team that's circling the drain. Matt, it's army. What they beat army they beat army. Yeah. They didn't cover. Apparently. Uh, no, November 9th is actually the game before army. Almost oh, that's, beat that was not so. a big, yeah. NEC yeah. Patriot. Yeah. Uh, NIU is and seven against the spread in, in Mac play, which is surprising to me. They had a great non-con and they've fallen off a cliff. They've done a reverse of, some of the teams in the first section, uh, yeah, injuries, shocking, ton of injuries, ton of injuries, just yeah. no chance with a, a fairly thin roster to begin with, and then you got like three of your top seven in and out. Yeah, it's just no chance with those those injuries. I think there, uh, a team that got some more bad news: Old Dominion, one and nine against the spread in the Sun Belt, minus five cover margin. Just lost their leading scorer. Uh, he's been kicked off the team. Alette gone. Old Dominion probably not a team to back going forward as well, unless he was a cancer to the team. Jim, maybe he is. 
Yeah, there's potential for like addition by subtraction with a guy that was coming off the bench and leading the team in usage. That's I, I could see that being helpful, but this all started with their coach having a heart attack before yep. uh, mm -hmm. the Diamond Head Classic pre-Christmas, and Jeff Jones will not return this season. It's going to be under the interim uh, interim coach the rest of the way. It's that's just not a situation I'm looking forward to putting my money behind. Yeah, another team that's really fallen off from non-con. UIC in the Missouri Valley is one and nine against the spread. This team was not supposed to be that good. This makes way more sense than the the, the level they were playing in non-con, which was incredible. Uh, Funny that Rashawn Burnokai and IU you just mentioned in Luke Yaklich, UIC, both initial names tied to the DePaul ooh. job opening, like in late November, December, when they were kind of rolling wow. and DePaul was stinking. Fast forward a month later, and I think you sort of see how quickly things can change there. Yeah, they're also anti EKU in terms of like no one made a three against them in non conference. Yeah, like, right, and right. suddenly, I mean, not not that they're pouring it on in league play, but they're making league average amount and they look much more mortal. Regression always finds you. Can't hide from it. Can't run. And then how it. about this one, guys? Uh, power team, Ohio State, one and eight in the Big Ten in ATS or excuse me uh, against the spread in conference play. Good guy, yeah. Chris Holton. I just done. I. I just guessed it on the live edition of the drive the lane show. It's an Ohio state podcast with, with Joey Lane and Andrew Zoldan. And there's some uh, lack of confidence in the current leadership. Unfortunately, it's a very young team, but they're just really bad down the stretch. They were young last year. They kind of are still young this year. You thought they'd maybe take a step forward, but late in games, they, they kind of roll over. And lately they've started to be bad in first halves too. They got smacked at Northwestern over the weekend. Two notables before the cover margin finishes us off. FAU and Memphis are both horrible against the spread in American play. FAU is one and seven. Memphis is one and six. Matthew, your thoughts. Did we sort of predict this? I, I think we you, said you, both. Yeah, you definitely did, Matt. That these like all these games Not are to losable. this degree. Yeah, yeah, but I just it's A, a way better league than the market understands, and I think people anticipated. And B, they're getting everyone's best shots every night. And C, there are real flaws to both FAU and Memphis. I mean, Memphis has their whole off-the-court nonsense, their cohesion, and also defensively, just a disaster. Like, David Jones is, like, the epitome of, like, gambler, out of position. They give up way too many easy layups. FAU's got plenty of defensive issues themselves. It's, that's more they miss having a second rim protector. They don't always defend consistently on the perimeter. But I, I think this is predictable. I don't think we should be so super surprised by this. I'm a keep says, says the guy who made zero dollars off of this, by the way. Just, <laughs> yeah. just, yeah, yeah. I've I've faded FAU a few time a few times. I will likely continue to fade them. Um even margin wise, Kai, I feel like they've stretched games out late. Like mm -hmm. the East Carolina game, they extended to 15. UAB they extended to 13, Wichita extended to nine. And those games were like nip and tuck the whole way. I, I think there's still value to be had going against them. Yeah. And they've come back and won a couple games too. North Texas, yeah. <laughs> right? Uh those type of games. Uh, okay, how we're going to finish this show, worst cover margins, but I want each of you to quickly say back going forward, a.k.a. they're going to turn it around, or continue to fade going forward. They're going to just suck, suck, suck. The worst cover margin team in the country in conference play is Arkansas. Minus 12 cover margin. They've been horrible. They play our Tigers soon, Jim. Are you going to back them going forward or fade them? I'm tentatively going to wait for them to play well one game and then back because <laughs> Devo Davis leaving the team might help the chemistry. And this is typically when we see a little uptick from Musselman. Maybe it's too little too late, but uh, I'm thinking back. Fade, he's Musselman's already trying to get himself out of there. He's trying to par parachute into another job. Apparently. Louisville. <laughs> just 
I'm believing everything I read on Twitter. It's been a good week for college basketball Twitter, so it's a great time to believe everything you read. That's what I'm following this week. That's the script I'm going to track. And uh, yeah, Louisville, Eric Musselman, maybe, possibly. Diving into the extra board, New Orleans in the Southland, a minus nine and a half cover margin, league play, two and six. Matt, going forward, you betting or fading? Fade. They, 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 they don't like how they play. They still play kind of archaic, antiquated basketball. Jim? I'm, I'm actually going to back, but they've been they've been missing guys in the lineup. Need them to be fully healthy. They've got maybe the best guard in the league in Jordan Johnson. Johnson's well, nice. Non-McNeese yeah. division. Uh, but, yeah, I'm not super excited to back them. Detroit, a minus nine cover margin in, her, in the horizon. Surprisingly, three and eight against the spread. I would expect that to be 0 and 11. But Detroit, backer fade going forward, Jim. Jaden Stone back in the lineup. Uh, fade. I, I think Mike Davis is kind of on the way out. Stone has given them a little life, but I, I just generally think all the other teams that are in the title mix are going to look to smash Detroit. Mm-hmm. Matt? Uh, I'll back. Th- these prices are just like insanely low. I, I did just fade them with Green Bay though over the weekend and I won, so maybe I should stick with that. I'll, I'll back. Give me the back. Portland and the WCC, surprisingly, uh, minus eight point cover margin. Matt, you're fading. Yeah, Shanty's my guy, but um, they just have zero ability to defend, and the talent's just not there. They have no depth. It's like, Tyler Robertson, please score 50, or else we have no chance, and not a great blueprint for every game. Yep, agreed. Fade. And finally, Idaho in the big sky, 1-6 and six against the spread, minus 8 cover margin. Jim, fade or back? I'm backing them because I like the coach, and I'm hoping at some point yeah, these good. prices are going to get into range of worth backing against or, or backing with. So, Maddie, I'm gonna I'm gonna side with the Vandals. I think so too. I love Pribble. I just, man, he has no talent. Like that that roster is a little too D three E for me. I like to <laughs> yeah. see a like you know like the St. Thomas roster that kind of came the last couple of years. They had some real D one players there. I don't really see that on Idaho. That's the big difference. Shots fired at Idaho's personnel there. I know. Gosh. Sorry, Taryn Frank. Sorry, Tyler Linhard. All right, that does it for us. Thank you for joining us on Big Bets on Campus. We are back next week. Wednesday morning. Thank you to BetMGM. We will see you next week. Good luck with your bets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.